0: Welcome back. My name is Kenny. I'm here with my co-host, Matt. What's going on, brother?
1: What's up, guys?
0: We got a special guest today. We do. Mr. Jason Medina, owner of Dedicated Jiu-Jitsu.
1: Mancilla, California.
0: How you doing, sir?
2: I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome to have you. We talk about you enough. Should, might as well get
0: you on here.
2: <laughs> it's my well, pleasure.
0: Now there's a, a face to the name, so. There good he luck.
1: is. I, sorry to disappoint, guys. That's what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> He's old. but <laughs> bunch of gray everywhere. Uh, But I've trained with Jason since, I think he was, I came in as a blue, so I think we were both blue belts, or he was like a a dirtiest white belt of all time. Like, he might have just got his blue belt when I got my purple or something. But yeah, he's definitely one of my oldest training partners.
2: I think I would have already been blue because I got blue when it was still Team Quest. Okay, so
1: you're blue. Yeah, I was
2: blue when, when Dan opened up. Okay,
1: so yeah, and I... I was only blue for six months and then poncho promoted right to purple. Gotcha. So that's what it is. Yep. So yeah, one of my oldest training partners, we've, uh, went back and forth from the old gym, the, you know, where there was like a lot of like more MMA based guys in there rolling with us in those adult classes. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, definitely one of the oldest guys. So it's been it's awesome to have you on the show. Thanks again. You're a professor. Are you nervous, Kenny?
0: No, no. But I am. I am. I mentioned this earlier. I'm hitting, sitting here with uh, the two most influential black belts in my life right now. So, oh, it's just, it's kind of rad.
1: Sometimes imposter syndrome is a real deal. Oh yeah, like especially like, and I just teach a class sometimes, right. a couple times a week. Owning a school and having to be that guy, that like, you know what I mean. And then other people come visit. And you're like, this guy's legit as shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like how, like, you don't want to let your academy down. You don't want to let your guys down. And then to say, you're not the biggest guy. So me as a bigger guy, I can just be, you know, I'm just going to be heavy. Yeah. Like, I'll just, I'm not going to (laughs) lose. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. But like, sometimes you go against a guy who's, play. I used to play division one football and then I'm athletic as shit. You're like, dude, I'm the black belt. I got to like show that jujitsu works. Do you ever have that problem with like imposter syndrome?
2: For sure. Uh, And actually I could kind of talk at length about imposter syndrome from being a a tattoo artist forever. You know, I grew up on a baseball field. I'm kind of getting off topic, but Mm -hmm. I grew up on a baseball field. And, uh, you know, when I realized I wasn't going to be playing second base for the California Angels, life takes a turn and you're like, well, what am I going to do? And I did never draw a picture in my life and... Picked up a tattoo machine, just had a wild hair up my ass. And I, I did a tattoo and I was like, this is amazing. I got to learn how to do this. But we're talking 23 years in now and it's it still very much feels like imposter syndrome. And um, I would think a little bit less for jujitsu because of the fact, some books that I've read, they, they talk about um, you go back, like maybe in your midlife, you kind of go back to the things that you did as a child. And although it wasn't martial arts per se, it's still sports. So it feels like home to me a little bit more so than maybe tattooing ever did. You know, Um, but what do you do when those big guys come in? Um Your best. Hey, Kenny, you go with him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I have a uh, yeah. real big guy, like say Shirley comes in. Sure. A couple times a year. 6 a.m. I'm like, oh, we're running today, boys. Yeah. Everybody start running. I get everybody <laughs> running, and I get everybody front rolling, and then I'm like, "Then I'll go." I was like, "That's the one perk we got. It's yeah. like we can like get the, the room tired before <laughs> before we start the round. Not a
2: bad idea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I've definitely have had that also, and it's like you always want to feel like. Do you ever feel like you're entitled to like have to show something cool every day, but then you look at the class and you're like, I can't show this. Because Absolutely. these guys don't know this. And you, you come through this problem where you're like, I want to, like, impress. Like, when you cover for a class for one time, I'm like, I get show my dopest stuff. And everybody's going to be like, dang, that was sick. What a class. And then, you know, but, like, if I have to do that every week, one of these weeks, we're just going to show a basic how you switch hip, how to add pressure. You
2: mm-hmm. know what I mean? You absolutely have to hammer home those fundamentals that meat and potatoes because you could show some cool stuff but if they can't stay in the position to apply that stuff, what's the point? you know right. So um, it's funny you say that I think this year I, I think maybe I got a little bit into that last year and I and I kind of had to reevaluate like we took a, a week off after um, Christmas. And I sat down and I thought about curriculum um, and especially for like my little kids, I really scaled it down. And I kind of thought to myself, I wanted to show these kids fun things. And I think maybe showing too much fun stuff brought in frustration because they were never able to perfect these techniques. And so maybe you could attest to this, you know, because this is your daughter's class. And I've really scaled it down to, you know, there's only a couple positions that these kids really need to know at this age and let's get them very proficient in these positions, Yeah, you know? And I don't think the kids are getting bored whatsoever. They, they're still all about it. And then I think, you know, they get that little sparkle in their eye when they totally get these moves.
0: I, th- I think with, you know, at least with my kid, cause she's so ADHD, like just it's hard. Like that's something we've been trying to do lately with her. Like, just in life in general, just trying to get her to focus on one task at a time. Yeah. That is, I feel like they don't, everything is cool to them. You know what I mean? Even like shrimps are cool to them. But right. It's just, yeah. it's just jujitsu, you know, they don't, ha- it's not like they're watching like highlight reels on YouTube at home. Cause they're five, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so, so I did
2: have one kid come in his very first day, did the moves or whatever. And then, um, he was on the wall and, um, I said, Hey, you know, like watch these kids do their first round, you know, so you can understand it. I already watch YouTube. <laughs> oh my, yeah, he's like, I don't know,
1: eight years old. Yeah, I will say this: there is a skill set to teaching kids over uh, and teaching adults. And I've said this before: the different skill set from when you're teaching a child, you have to really like it's definitely like you said, meat and potatoes. Yeah. And for an adult, there's like you know there it's it's another whole new world. And you've you're very very good because you've been teaching kids longer than you've been teaching adults. Yes. So you're like if you're looking for kid instruction, like you have mastered the art of teaching little kids. You've got it down. The patience. I see you're always down eye level with them when you're talking to them. I've seen you like you'll take a knee and you'll look them right in the eyes and tell them stuff. When you know some guys are just like standing up. Like you you're very good at like being personable creating fun games, a fun environment. So um, whenever anybody's like, hey, do we, if you're looking for a kid's class, I'm like, I always throw your name out there first. It's because I've seen it. And I'm not saying that other academies right here don't teach kids well because they do, yeah. especially any Czech med school that, you know, we're associated with, they win all the time. Um, So, um, like, I, but, like, when I've seen your classes from back in the day, especially at Quest when you, when you were just learning how to teach kids – and it's just very, very well done. And it's like, there's like a structure to it. And when you're talking about little kids having structure, that's kind of hard to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I tell the people when they come in, you know, I want you to see what it's like. I want you to make sure that, that, I, that I fit, you know, how you want your child to be coached or whatever. Like, because I'm, you know, I want your kids to feel like I'm Uncle Jason. And if you get out of line, Uncle Jason's going to punish you. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's... I don't know if you want to call it that Americanized style of martial arts or whatever. I don't have that. You have to bow. You have to do all these things. But show respect, you know. Right. And, you know, the jujitsu comes along with everything else. But I I want to teach these kids to be good people. And, you know, that's important. And I think getting down on their level is very important. Um, You know, I always, let's say you got 15 kids. So one kid's on the wall, you know. Uh, of course, I need to watch everybody else, but I'll always try to make an effort to go sit with that kid on the wall. How's school? What's going on? What's your favorite video game? What you know? What video game are you playing right now? And try to make a connection with them outside of only being their instructor. You know, you just have some other thing that you and this kid talk about, you know.
1: Do you, do you think that um, have you ever had an issue where a parent has been too hard on their child? And um, and maybe not at your new school, but maybe in your past or that, and you've had to like tell that parent, like, Hey, you know, like this is how it is. It's not easy for anybody at the beginning.
2: Yeah. um, I can't think of any glaring circumstance. A couple times we're like, Hey, let me do the coaching or whatever. Um, but I think that's one of the things that maybe I instill in the parents because maybe I felt like I kind of made that mistake. And I used to always just let my kids do whatever when they were on the mat. But then when we get in the car, I'd be like, why were you goofing off? Why were you, you know, whatever? And maybe that took away some of the fun, you know? And, you know, my son, he left jujitsu for a while, and he went to wrestling or whatever. And uh, it wasn't me at all critiquing their jujitsu, but instead of just getting them in the car and be like, oh, did you have fun? Like, whatever if you were goofing off. You were on Poncho's time. Yeah. Let, let him be the one that... that uh Corrects that corrects you, yeah. So I always encourage the parents. I don't care how much your kid screws off in class. Let me be the bad guy, and then when they get in the car,
1: just love your. Hey, did you have
2: fun? Yeah, Yeah. That's it, you know.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll make the corrections where they need to be made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's a good. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. Anything? What you got? Apparently, you hate soup. I don't like soup, and I'm gonna tell you why I don't like soup. Because it's been raining, okay? And uh, you know what? I'm tired of (laughs) this. It's been raining. The weather's been shit, and my wife cooks, and she's just making soup all the time. And I'm tired of soup as a main meal. It's not hard. I'm 250 fucking pounds. <laughs> You're just brothing me to death, lady. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm i over the soup. I'm over like, oh, what kind of soup? split-piece soup. I'm like, okay, green green liquid? Like, what is this, juice it up? I'm tired of soup, and I can't handle soup. Soup is supposed to be made as a prerequisite meal to your main meal.
0: I like minestrone.
1: It's not hearty. It's like not hearty food. Minestrone?
0: Maybe. It's got like beans in it and noodles in it and usually some sort of turkey and a tomato based broth. I'm
1: over it. Like like when you go to a restaurant, it's soup, it's salad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: then your meal. Yeah. Why are wives across the country or girlfriends across the country thinking they just get away with just making fucking soup?
2: Why are you guys discriminating about Mexican soup? Get yourself some pozole. Hey, hey. Guys. I'll guys. Yeah,
1: Abondigas. Yeah. Those are more hearty. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can mess with the chicken. So yeah, I've just been having too much soup lately. And as a California guy, I'm not used to a lot of soup. But this weather is just my wife's like, I made soup. I'm just like, oh, god, come on. What are we doing here? <laughs> and then next thing you know, I'm freaking picking up a burger. I'll text her, what's for dinner? She's like, I made soup. I'm just eating a burger on the way home and then have to fake. Hey, <laughs> I'm fake chowling this soup. Only one bowl? I'm like, yeah, that's it. One bowl. <laughs> This is probably the last episode of this podcast because she's going to watch this and I'm going to get a ladle upside my my head. But, yeah, I just came across it. was like, you know, I'm going to go in on soup. I'm tired of soup. I'm just over it. My nose starts running when I'm eating it. It's not that cold in California. It's 78 degrees. It doesn't even snow in yet.
2: It's a chill factor of 72,
1: though. <laughs> Super, you know why soup plantation closed? Because no one likes that <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to go in on soup a little bit. It was just really bugging me. I'm like, well, how are we really going to do this again? Like, why?
0: I don't know, man. I, I don't hate soup that bad. <laughs> I hate passionate. passionate. It was He's passionate. Passionate. Yes. Was passionate about my food.
2: Corinne, <laughs> I'll take some.
0: <laughs> Send it on. My wife.
1: Send it on <laughs> over. Hey, my wife makes great food. And she's a great cook, but that I'm just over it. I'm over to soup. Anytime she's like, oh, I made soup tonight. I'm like, come why is this in the rotation right now? (laughs) Like I can deal chili, but soup is just too much. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to go in on soup. (laughs) Sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. (laughs) We're finding balance here. It's balancing my diet. Like, I'm over. I'm over it. Should it take 10 years to get your black belt? Uh, yeah, because you're gonna get hurt, you're gonna get injured. It should take ten years to get your black belt. Um, all these other martial arts get exposed by oh, either yeah. by you know a guy who's been wrestling for decades who doesn't have a belt, but you know he's got the grappling skill, or a jiu-jitsu guy. I mean, it's already been proven. Ten years of experience, Royce Gracie was beating the five year black belt kempo guy in 1992. Like this reps rounds.
0: Right, And, you know, it
1: shouldn't be easy
0: to get a black belt. I see a lot of martial arts. You can get, I'd say three to five, pretty average for, like, a Taekwondo. As a
1: guy who promotes belts, gives belts, do you agree that, like, you give him belts at time? Would you give a belt? Like cause I've heard Poncho say, like, sometimes I feel like a guy's lost his fire. <coughs> you know, he's lost his fire. And maybe if I give him his blue belt, I might ignite his fire again. I've heard Poncho say that, but he said... A black belt, like, you get, you'll get, you die a brown belt. Like, a black belt has to be the belt you earn.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think I know, you know, knowing Poncho, he wants to see something different, something that, you know, I mean, that's him putting his name out there. Yeah, you're representing so him you're now. One, you're one of my black belts. But I think I have a different take on it taking 10 years. You know, you got guys that train six, seven hours a day, and they're there six days a week. Does that mean that they take ten years versus the guy that's a, a two day a week guy? Right. You know. Yeah. You know. You got. You know the Rodriguez brothers. They're. You know, all day long, but doing like you, doing jujitsu. You know what I mean. And you know what, when Nicky Rod came on the scene, he was a blue belt. You know, giving everybody fits.
1: You also, but as your your competition could speed up your process. Yeah. Right, like if you're winning pans and worlds. Sure. And pan. Of course. Like, hey man. Yeah. Like I remember training with Alexis. Yeah. And you know, Alexis, you know, is, you know, MIA right now. Hopefully she makes a comeback someday. But really nice. she was a phenom. She was a phenom grappler. One of the only female grapplers that like you better go 100. If you don't go 100%, she's going to take you. She's going to take your neck and strangle you. She was a bad a <laughs> bad lady. Um, but, you know, she would win. And she she belted up way faster. We started the same day. She got her black belt like four years, five years before me. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, because because she would just win Worlds, Clean Pants, house, Worlds, everything. Pants. Boom, bam, bam. <laughs> I'm not. And she was just so dominant in jujitsu. Yeah, so right. I can see that. Like, yeah, you can fast track by winning competitions. But generally, I think, yeah, waiting 10 years is probably is what it takes. You know, I got mine in nine, almost ten ish. So I was really, really close. Yeah. And I think you got yours promotion right after me. So you know, and then Phil cried. And then we all <laughs> and then we all made memes. And then there's a meme out there of Phil Crying. And if someone sends it to me, I'll send it and make it viral. But <laughs> I've lost that photo. So if you listen to this podcast and you got a picture of Phil crying, send it to me. Is my it the dear. Jordan the Jordan cry face? It's worse. It's like the guy. It's an old. Uh, there's an old. There's an old talk show, where this guy's like, "I love you, Dad," and is is, is a a black guy, and he goes, "Man," he starts crying all like real sad. It looks just like that. So I'm everybody. out
2: of this one, Phil.
1: Anybody's <laughs> got this picture? I don't him. need to get
2: served next week. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, like, hey, I Phil, thought you looked good, Phil. I proud hey, of you. Phil
1: <laughs> served my ass last week too. I <laughs> okay. Phil is amazing at <laughs> right now. He's on fire. <laughs> But there it is. Clint's been telling me, like, <laughs> anybody got that picture? He, like, once a month, he t- DMs me, anybody got that picture of Phil? We can't find it. I think it's gone. And it's pretty sad because it was a good one.
0: He'll yeah, probably went to everybody's house and recoup that picture. It'll resurface, I'm sure.
1: I don't have it. It will done. now. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. hopefully. Yeah, Matt's put out a call to arms, folks. <laughs> call to arms. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about your what made you find <laughs> jujitsu. What made you decide to take jiu-jitsu, your your whole... Give us, like, the startup of Jason's journey.
2: Okay, so going back to tattooing, I'd been tattooing, uh, raising kids. I have three kids, and I didn't really have much extra money. And uh, once I finally bought a tattoo shop, I started getting a little bit of residual income. You know, I had booth renters and unexpected money that I wasn't used to having, and... uh, I was out of shape. I was right on the border of about 200 pounds, missing doing sports. You know, like I said, I grew up doing sports and I, you know, I thought, you know, shit, I want to do something. I've been golfing, but you know, when you golf, you're not really exercising that much. You're pretty much just drinking more beer or whatever than you even, the athletic part of it. And uh, so my tattoo shop was right around the corner from a Krab Maga place. So I went and I tried Krav Maga and it just wasn't for me. You know, I, I did six months and I was like, ah, this isn't really what I'm looking for. And I thought to myself, oh, try this jujitsu stuff. And I didn't even know the difference between gi and no gi. Um, I just went in and they they kind of explained it. And I'm like, uh, all right, I'll do that. And it was it was the same exact feeling that I got the first time I did a tattoo where I was just blown away and I was like, I'm figuring this out. I have to learn this. And it was, I mean, other than injuries, since the day I walked in, you know, you kind of can't keep me away. Well, sometimes I like to go fish, but <laughs> but for the most part, it was just something that always intrigued me. You know, um, there's just so many options. The puzzle is just constantly growing and growing. You're never going to be able to put it all together. And, and I think that's what, you know, keeps my interest is there's always just so much more that you can still be learning.
1: And coming up as a lower belt, who was your YouTube? Who was the guy? Who was um, the guy you typed in it was like, okay?
2: Uh, Lucas Leitch, half guard. Yeah. You know? Lucas Leitch. Um, I was a big fan of Lucas Lepre, even though my game is quite a bit different than his, but I just I love those guys that are so technical. Beautiful jujitsu, JT Torres. I think those were three of the guys that I was. Jason really-
1: was always that guy. He's like I got like the seven disc DVD set of yeah. like he's like got um um this uh endless amount of like DVDs of jujitsu uh, you know, demos and stuff. And I was always the guy I was like, is he have it on <laughs> is it on YouTube? Because I ain't gonna pay money. <laughs> and I didn't ever pay money, it's just always yeah. been the cheap ass. But uh, yeah, Jason was always had like, and so you didn't have like an influence from UFC or anything to try jujitsu. You were just kind of uh, like, I want to try this out. Uh,
2: well, I, I'm, I'm sure UFC was what sparked it because without UFC, let's be frank, like no nobody would have known what jujitsu even is. Right. So um, I guess when I first went in, I didn't even picture a gi. I just pictured, you know, shorts and a rash guard or shorts and a t shirt or whatever. And then uh, I did no gi for my whole first year. And my professor, Poncho, is like, you want to be better at no gi? Then put on your gi or put on your pajamas. And I'm like, no. And he kept talking to me. And finally, he got me to put them on. And I guess the rest is history because I think, obviously, you guys know that I pretty much prefer the gi now. Who doesn't? You know? I think, also, when you get old. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I need something to grab on, too. Yeah.
2: I need to slow these guys down, mm. you know? But I, 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 the strategy behind the gi is, you know a lot i think it's got a lot more layers to it
1: yeah you know? i i uh i think that like definitely that it's just a slower game but it's just like so much more that you can do in the gi than no gi even though like i've said you know the new leg entanglement game and you know we just got done talking to uh i do not the podcast that comes out next week about the um pgf how they have their point system where you know you get more points for attacking the neck in this organization in a PGF than you do for attacking the legs in a nogi situation because no. And then at the end of the season, whoever has the most points gets onto the finals. Huh. So like if you hunt the neck in, uh, rather than the foot, you get more points. So, cause there's, if you watch watch, you watch nogis now, it's just uh, legs. Yeah. And it's kind of getting boring. Like what people used to say about traditional gi jujitsu, how it's boring. It's just slow. Nogi's getting the same weight because everybody's just diving for legs. So we all know
2: how to defend really well now, too. Right. And so yeah. it's just like, you know,
1: and so like there's nothing worse in jujitsu, in my opinion, than watching two lower weight people walk to each other and just drop their butts. To me, I'm just like, oh. Grab hands and then both sit at the they same time. They both sit at the same you know yeah. what I mean? But like I know those guys, some are crazy good jujitsu guys, but to me that is uh the worst thing about the sport is that double guard pull
0: um, what you call it um, that fight with a uh, grappling match I should say with um, algermain Sterling recently I think you posted a clip yeah. of where he was bitching about it and he was just like pulling guard like it's boring like you this is what you wanted to watch but you know? that is the rule set right
1: so like algermain you know nut up a little bit like you're in a jiu-jitsu match like I know you're complaining about the butt scooter, but if the guy is starting from standing and then he engages and then pulls guard, then it's your job to pass the
2: guard. That's part of the game also. Sure. You know, learn the pass. Um, I don't know. I, I'm fine with whatever the rule sets are. So I watch it. All right, here you go. This, that's what they're going to do. Then pass the guy's guard. Right. So, so Poncho's been your guy from day one. Yep. Or
1: you, So you didn't have any Brian Harper or any Joel Assis, huh?
2: Uh, I got there after them. Uh, Poncho was there for my very first class, and, um, I mean, just he's he's so infectious. Like, just once you meet him, he's just like such a great soul. He's that even you, tattooed you, be to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nogi <like>, BJJ. <laughs> he's, Had to yeah. twist his arm for that one, yeah.
1: Yeah, he was, oh, man, if you ever want to see a video of Poncho nervous or scared, <laughs> he's looking at Jason's leg like, here's your leg, right? It was my leg. He's like... Like, like so nervous. Like you got, you got the black belt tattoo guy and then Poncho's just the first day white belt trying to tie his belt. And he's just like, it was like, this might've be what Poncho looked like in his first jiu-jitsu class ever. <laughs> this look. Probably not. Probably not. Bro. He probably <laughs> just smoked everybody. It was,
2: it was pretty funny. That's for sure. And it hurt. I mean, he, he dug into me. Like he was like digging into a tree with like a, <laughs> like a knife, you know what I mean? It was bad.
1: Uh, I have a funny story of Jason when we were Purple Belts together. Um so every once in a while we'll get a holiday off, Memorial Day, it's a national holiday whatever, right? Labor Day. And so the gym's closed. And everything is great. And then we got Jason on social media, those a t- attack, you know, he's like, "Man, it sucks that on my day off the gyms are closed. I wish I wish we could just train on the day off and you know it sucks and poncho comes in and goes we got an alarm going up fire alarm (laughs) um anyway so poncho goes uh let's um i'll open the gym no problem i'll open the gym jason jim and all of a sudden he puts a (laughs) post out gym open open mat and we're like hell yeah dude i'm like oh honey the gym is open i'm gonna go and so i just pack good my, looking
2: out jay <laughs> i
1: packed my bag it's like heck yeah dude i show up at the gym we're all stretching everything's bull crap poncho's not there yet we're just all kind of hanging out and then poncho comes walking in and and he's just not his normal bubbly self right and we're like hey and he's like everybody start running and we're like oh i thought it was open mat. okay <laughs> we start running and after like four laps, we're like, okay. Usually we're like inside out.
2: No, we're still running. And Z- this is a, a big mat space. Yeah. Z- yeah, Hendo's yeah. big oh, yeah. mat mass space. Yeah.
1: And like, where he walks in the middle mat, he's like, so you guys don't think I deserve, you know, Labor Day off, <laughs> huh? And then and, and then I just look at Jason's eyes like, oh no, and I'm like, why? I was like, I should have saw this coming. I'm an ultra. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna, I'm already gassing. I'm like, and then we're front rolling, we're shrimping, we're, we're doing like, where everybody spreads their legs, and we we shrimp under each other's legs, and we're like leapfrogging, and like we're just completely gassed doing these crazy drills. Then we, after like 45 minutes of conditioning, then we did a roll, and we're just all spent the whole class, and then Jason that night, he's like. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> that one was on me. So if the gym is closed, here's a rule to take away. Don't ever complain on social media that <laughs> you wish the gym was open because that could backfire tremendously. That can get you in trouble and also asking, hey, um, when, what, how come I didn't get promoted? That will also <laughs> hinder you from getting promoted. <laughs> So don't ask for your belts. <laughs> don't, don't ask, ask the for gym. holiday rolls. Huh? Don't ask for open mat to be open.
0: I feel like asking why you didn't get promoted. You're going to get an earful of maybe some you didn't want to hear.
1: But I mean, I guess there could be a way you can go about it. You'd be like, hey, I know I didn't get promoted, and that's fine. Your thing is like, what, what are do I do? need to work on? Yeah, like where do you? Where are the holes in my game that can help me get to the next level? I think that could be a better way to ask but if you go like hey how come I getting promoted like like or when am I getting or when when am I getting promoted next
0: don't do that 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 brings me actually to the the next topic is since I have two professors sitting here um and I know that there's a lot of there there's some white belts there's a lot of white belts actually that that listen to this what uh what are the best things for a fresh white belt to focus on in order to get on the right path to blue belt? Me first? Yep.
2: Guard retention. Learn how to feel comfortable in a couple different positions, not allowing people to pass your guard. I mean, it's going to happen, but you want to be proficient with your guard. Um, and, you know, understand some of the basics. Like when the professor's walking around the room, you might not be able to accomplish everything, but you're not making completely glaring mistakes. in Does that okay. make sense? Um, I, I guess outside of the technique, you know, showing up on time, um, showing respect, you know, learning some of that etiquette, you know, offering to help clean mats and stuff like that. I, I think that does go a long way. And maybe some people wouldn't agree that that has nothing to do with your belt at all, but that's how I was brought up. I'm, Like I said, I'm not super into um, a lot of the etiquette, but, you know, th- those things – you know, they, they show that you care about your academy. You care about everybody around you in your academy. Team player. Uh huh. Be a team player. Um, but yeah, I think back to the jiu jitsu, I think the main thing I like seeing is somebody who can have a proficient guard. And probably that's also because I'm a
1: guard player. And that's what I was going to say as a bigger guy, and he's a smaller, you know, jiu jitsu guy, base and, and, and holding position. Like, don't you're not too heavy. You're not getting rolled. Yeah. You're like, you know what I mean. You focus on heavy hips. They they try to, you know what I mean. Like good control from the top. For me, um, that is what I would be looking for. Is like this guy's got good control. He's not like he's jumping in the belly. He's back to side control. He's doing all stuff. And then also like you said, don't treat jujitsu like it's every. Um, like it's just like, I just go to jujitsu and then I leave and I don't you don't make any relationships because your professor might not you might just miss like he's like uh, he was here but like we don't really know who this guy is like if you're always going to class and you're like hanging out after class and you become part of the team and you're like a team member not just a guy who's doing jujitsu and you like he's hanging out afterwards he's you know we're all getting together and he's like you become like pretty much part of the squad the professor is gonna notice you more around. You're like oh look at so and sos working with so and so after class or mm-hmm. or they're just hanging out like you can become a part of the inside jokes you become part of the <laughs> culture of your gym you're gonna succeed more in the gym because you know you're just you're getting promoted on your merit as a human also like you know you're not gonna just dis- if a guy's a blue belt to me of my academy I don't know about you but if it was my academy and the guy was a real d bag. You are representing my name with my belts. So whether you could be a blue belt, for sure, skill-wise, but if I think you're not a good person, I don't want you attached to me. I'm not going to give you a belt until you can prove that you are a good person to me, in my eyes. And if you're just leaving class and not making connections with the team or becoming a good teammate or helping other people who aren't as good as you or, like, showing that stuff, like, I want a good culture in the gym. And if move up in my gym, if I ever had one, you would have to show that you are willing to be a good friend and stuff. That, that Even though that's not the skill of jiu-jitsu, but the skill of being a good human and teammate, that's also part of it because you're representing me and my brand or even on a higher scale, you're representing Poncho still because I'm under him, and then you're representing Leo. So it's like you better be a good person because I'm not trying to promote anybody who's not.
0: Sounds like you're both kind of in tune with that, that it's not just your on mat performance, but also.
2: Yeah. And one more thing I'll throw out there for the white belts that are listening. After class, ask your professor questions. You know what I mean? They, if you've got a good professor, they're going to take the time. They're going to try to answer these questions, you know? Sometimes if there's 30 people, 40 people in the class, you know, depending on how big the academy is, it's hard for them to watch every single person in the room and see what maybe mistakes you're having trouble with. So just pull them aside, you know, right. hey, could you help me? Um, I'm struggling in this area. You know? Something I've always
0: appreciated about you as a professor is that you, I don't ever feel, um, weird about asking you something if you're teaching a technique, if there's something that I'm missing or something that I'm think I, I'm seeing. And it's like, okay, I see him doing that. Is it, is, is that for on purpose or are you just by chance right. doing that motion? You know, and it's like, but you're always, you, you almost encourage those questions. Cause it's like, I don't know. Do you ever feel like that maybe helps you, um, kind of reassess your teaching style. Like, oh, maybe I need to touch on this a little bit more. Because there's times, too, where you'll come back and correct. We'll start a technique, you know, during the drills and whatnot, and you'll, like, like stop us, like, a few minutes and, like, hey, come back here. Let me – there's something that I'm seeing you guys are all doing. Let's address that right now so we can, you know, make sure we're not learning bad habits and uh-huh. move on to the next thing. So Yeah, I definitely think that the questions,
2: um, they mm-hmm. point out things maybe that, I guess, maybe – Somehow or another, I, I take for granted this this one particular grip or this one thing that I'm doing with my hips or something. And then when somebody's asking the question, or like you said, I sometimes I have to bring people back and recorrect it, then I know uh, this is something you're going to have to point out because it's not common knowledge. It's something that I, I you know what I mean? Right. Oh shit, I, I should have said that. They're missing this one thing and it's my fault. I didn't say that. Right. I didn't explain that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I bet you do that a lot less than a lot of people because you teach the kids' class like we talked earlier and you cannot miss a step for kids' <laughs> class. You have to tell them every little intricate of the move, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I would say I would agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask your professor stuff. Also, don't um, be afraid to take a private lesson. <laughs> like, it, and now, in your budget. It matters. But, like, why wait? As I said before, you want to learn how to pass guard, but he's working arm bars. You're going to have to wait for him to come all the way back around the passing guard again. Or next time he does, like, if you want to get better faster as a white belt, take a private on your deficiencies in your game. That's always been a thing that I feel will generally help you. And, And a lot of professors do group privates, where you can make it cheaper. I don't know if your academy does that, but you can ask, but, hey, can two of us pay or whatever? You know. So. Yeah,
2: then I don't have to get beat up and rolled around. Here, you guys do the technique. Right. I'll teach you the technique. And, and it might even guys be get easier
1: to- for you to show than rather than I'm doing it to you, and now can you see from your
2: bird's eye view? Exactly. That's also very true that they get to see it from the outside and be like, oh, okay, I demonstrated it on Kenny right now. And now I'm going to demonstrate it on whoever you brought with you. And then you both get to see it from the outside perspective. Sometimes it's like when you're on top, it's like you reverse engineer. Oh, wait, that was the left arm, not the right arm. You know? As a wipeout, that was a huge thing for me. A
1: a breakthrough for me is like how it helped me get off some bad positions when I was like stuck in jujitsu. Sometimes you get so tunnel visual in your roles and you're like really stuck. You're like, I'm just like tangled up right now. I don't know what I'm doing. I would... Try to get out of my brain or out of my body and look down. Like, what does this look like if I was watching TV? And if you can kind of visualize, like, okay, well, I'm face this way. He's like this. If you can kind of visualize, you might be able to think of a way out because when you watch it on TV, you're like, just move. It's open. Just move your leg. (laughs) His guard's open. Sometimes when I was a lower belt, I'd be like, what does this look like right now from up top? And sometimes, a lot of times, I would get got but sometimes I could be able to get out of it because I would get out of my head and, and like slow things down quit being so focused on the pressure or the pain or the troll, the pressure and like get out of my body. So that makes sense. I had a DM from a, gu- a guy and he said that his kid is a huge bully. Like he was a, he was adopted from the foster system. He's just, he's a, a he's like a huge big kid. like 14 years old, but he's like 6'3". Oh, Big boy. And he's like, he's getting in trouble in school. And he's like, I want, I I hear that jujitsu. I hear that martial arts can help him, but I'm afraid I'm going to weaponize his bullying. What is your guys' advice? Should I put him in jujitsu? That's
2: a tough one. That's a tough one, right? right? You use the word weaponize. He's like, I
1: feel like he will start using it to be even a worse bully.
2: To me, first of all,
1: he should be in an adult's class. Of course. And maybe if you. Anytime you're 6'3", you're in an adult class. I don't care if you're 10 years old. Maybe you come to your professor and be like, look, this is a situation. My son is, this is what's going on. And like, as his father, I kind of maybe need him to be a little humbled a little bit here. Mm -hmm. And then you would tell your better guys like, hey, he is a child. But he needs to realize that like this is what's happening to the other kids and maybe teach him that way. But also before you put him in, maybe get him into some therapy, get him into something outside another. You know what I mean? There's some other issues that he needs to work on. Obviously, he's got anger issues.
0: Right.
2: So. I mean, how many people do we know that, you know, they said, oh, you know, I used to do street fighting and all that, you know, and jujitsu humbled me, you know, you know, like. What? I I was never into street fighting. I'm I don't fight, you know. Yeah. So but I there's plenty of people that are like, oh man, jujitsu really changed me, you know what I mean? I've learned values and respect and not as tough as I thought I was, and all the all the good stuff, you know what I mean? Most guys that you meet in the jujitsu community, and I hate to throw the tattoo community under the bus, but um they're just yeah. such nice people. And not that tattooing was bullying, but let's maybe call it like. I don't know verbal bullying or or whatever. I always felt like in in tattooing, if you weren't the shit, uh, it's kind of like uh, you can't sit at our table. Mm. And 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 jujitsu is just not like that, you know. You've been to lunch dinners with like world champions, and they they, hey, what's up? You know, what are you gonna get? You know, and it's. So I, I think when you get a kid that's a bully and you get him around some really wholesome people, some really genuine people that also can be bullies as well and they see a different light, hopefully that
1: reflects in a positive way. It might, you know, and I think we just figured it out. It might be the, yeah, he's not just, like we talked earlier, he's not just taking the class, learning his skills and leaving. Have him stay. Have him hang with the squad. Have right. him go, like, Let the team adopt him.
0: Yeah, that becomes his his core group of peers, and those are the people that he hangs out with outside of the gym. You know what I mean? One, they're going to step in and prevent him if he's being an, an ass, you know, and trying to bully somebody.
1: Maybe tell your senior belts, like, hey, this kid, this is the situation, right? This kid's got issues. He's, you know, which is what we're worried about. Can you guys, like, reach out to him after the class? Like, dude, you did so good, bro. Let me show you this. Or can you, like... If he has a social media, DM him, like, you coming to class on Tuesday? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then maybe he'll be like, oh, like, give him something else to look forward to than freaking peppering that kid in second period or whatever it is. But, like, change his mindset of, like, oh, I do jiu-jitsu now. I don't need to, like, put my aggression on this. Because I think a lot of his aggression bottled up, maybe. It could be so
0: many things, man. It could be so many things. Securities, even. Yeah, Yeah. that. It could be the, the... and not having an outlet it could be a fight or flight response to where if his past was so bad that he's just always got his heckles up and he's always just you know waiting for because he's expecting he's expecting something else to go wrong because it always does
1: yeah and shout out to that parent for dming me that because it's hard to that had did not be easy to like say hey yeah Mike you know whether it's an adopted son or not my is a problem and like You're doing a great job as a parent because you're trying to find solutions. Some parents don't and they just like are blind and they just let their parents be reckless. But you're out here trying to find how to help your kid as become a better human. So I'm not going to name drop, but whoever DM me, hey, shout out to you guys.
0: Questions. At JF Smash, uh, training camp prep recommendations for a 60 year old blue belt competing in nogi worlds.
1: No camp, dude. Like, you're training. Like, whatever you're getting in, you're getting in. You're 60. You're not going to have a lot of people in your bracket as a master six, or you know what I mean? Like, just keep doing what you're doing. There's, you should not change it. one thing. If you're already rolling a couple of times a week, just stay with your regimen. Um, if you're having to cut weight, then obviously, you know, mind your diet a little bit. Take but like I don't think you should change your rounds. I don't think you should change your roles. You shouldn't jump into a comp class if you're not doing comp class. You should just you're 60 years old. You should be fun.
0: Up your recovery, if anything.
1: Right. You should just be fun and just keep things the way it is. Yeah. Maybe if you're starting on your knees in class, Same which enough. a lot of older guys will, start on your feet. You gotta you gotta you gotta work your standing a little bit more. But other than that, like, I would not worry about changing your game.
2: Uh, okay, so then that's kind of where I was going to come. Don't change your game, but maybe um, get a game prep. It doesn't mean extra training, but instead of training so many different things, like, you you know, it's like you kind of said, you know, like, okay, right now we're working on arm bars, but I need to work on guard passing or whatever. By the time you're a blue belt, you're probably starting to get familiar with what your game is and spend a little extra time really focusing on your your part of your game. Um like i I'm, excuse me, I've done half guard forever and ever. But then when I'm not signed up for a tournament, I I try my best not to really do half-guard. I try to learn other aspects of the game. You know what I mean?
0: My Fill your holes in?
2: Yeah. My my stand-up is, you know, it's definitely not on level with most guys I'm not a stand-up guy but I've tried hard over the last couple of years and it's you know it's kind of tough because I'm an old man but um, I, I just want to learn but then when I'm signed up for a tournament then I go all right now it's time for me to get my timing back and and try to work on the parts of my game that every time I'm in a tournament it seems like I always end up in these positions. So if I'm four weeks out and I'm preparing for Nogi worlds or whatever, I'm going to really try to, um, kind of treat my rounds like, like the tournament, you know, and get into my positions, work my positions. Um, but I think you're right. I think especially at the age of 60, give yourself enough time to recover. You know, you work your recovery during the competition. And then, you know, that last week really scale it down because it's, you're not going to Find this magical technique in the last week of training that all of a sudden wins you that gold medal. That's not how it goes. You know, get your body feeling good, hydrate, and, and like I've said, mentally prepare. Like I've said before, people
1: are always worried about this one takedown. And I'm going to hit this takedown, or I'm going to hit this move.
0: I'm going to get my two points,
1: and I'm going to hit this. I'm going to be on top. I'm going to win the match. Well, guess what? The guy you're going to win in the first round is thinking the
2: same thing. Yeah. let. Or he's going to pull guard right away. And you're right. like, shit, I don't have my
1: takedown. Right. Let them mess up on their takedown that they want, hope they get. And just be super defensive on the feet. And they will pull or they will miss. And you will be on top. That's my advice for any lower belt who's competing for the first time. They're so nervous about hitting this one takedown that they've been practicing for the last five weeks because they've been starting from their knees for the last seven months. And let them miss. And so you can just be on top and then the game changes
0: at Rob Lebani, What do you think about, or why do you think strength training is so looked down upon in the BJJ community? I think it was hoist. Gracie and the
1: original guys were just basically all about technique. And jujitsu was the original sport for jujitsu is for the little guy to beat the big guy. Well, breaking news guys, <laughs> big guys learn jujitsu now. <laughs> okay. And now it's even, and don't be mad at us because we can bench 315.
2: All right? Tired of that. <laughs> I'm Even here. after eating soup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the soup didn't help, <laughs> Jason. The soup, <laughs> soup didn't help.
1: But don't be mad. Like, people do frown. Oh, man, you just use strength. Oh, you're too strong. We've talked about this many times. Don't be mad at me because, you you know, your dad liked the spinner and you're small. It doesn't matter. We are here. The power is here. That's why there's weight divisions. Don't, but like, yeah. If you are stronger, if you are working out and you have built some mass or some muscle, that takes hard work. No, yeah, absolutely. And you, in sh- that, like, you're a black belt on lifting weights. Like, you should use what you got. If you're flexible, you should use your flexibility. Whatever you have, bring to the table. That is your attribute. Don't don't be don't look down on it just because some small guy said you shouldn't use power. You should use technique. You should focus on technique. But you should also don't forget what brought you to the dance and don't be afraid to smash people.
2: Did you know what sucks is going back to, oh, how'd you get into jujitsu? You know, I wanted to do some kind of sport because I hated the gym. I hated going to the gym because I could have just went and got like a fitness 19 membership for 20 bucks a month. Okay, I'm just gonna go work out and be in shape. And I hate the gym. And it's been like my Achilles heel for all of my jujitsu career. It's like, you got to drag me into the gym. And that was, oddly enough, what brought me to jujitsu is so I didn't have to go to the gym. And the guys but who do both, though. Yeah, yeah. Bro, you get in that bullpen and you're like, this dude's yoked. In
1: <laughs> his gi? If you look jacked in your gi, you jacked. I, I look fat in my gi. <laughs> And then like spill white gi, like, oh man, we're taking pictures. Like, why'd I wear my white gi? You know that adds seven hundred and twenty five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah. Like if you look jacked in
0: your gi, you're jacked. What about you? What do you got? I got this LA competition next month and You're looking jacked in your gi, you're looking skinny. <laughs> I'm down ten pounds. I'm down ten pounds. Two twenty two to two twelve so far. So
1: good work. Good work. Yeah. Kenny's going to let that guy mess up on his takedown. I am (laughs) going
0: to do that. If you're listening to this pod, (laughs) whatever single double leg you want, go for it, my friend.
1: I'm sprawling, baby. Monty.
0: Monty. Is it true that that Jason Medina's favorite band is Lincoln Park?
1: You like Chester, dude?
0: I can't stand
2: Lincoln Park. (laughs) Never once was I ever a Lincoln Park fan. I'm very opinionated about the bands that I like and don't like. Lincoln Park, Disturbed, Godsmack, I don't like God. They're never gonna be in the rotation. So no, Monty, You're just not into no like chance.
0: The stripper metal. That's, what it, that's it's. I call it stripper metal or military metal. It's
2: <laughs> military metal. I mean, like what was like Motley Crue. Yeah, stripper hair, hairband. Hairband. hairband,
0: hairband yeah. 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 I like the like the late '90s, early 2000s. Trapped, stained, oh. disturbed. Godsmack.
1: Yeah. I like that's some of those bands I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna let you guys know i'm kind of i do kind of like some of those bands because i went you know
2: from metallica to Mudvayne. and where'd you grow up here you're a 909er bro of course you yeah. like that it's in your blood yeah <laughs> so like
1: you know i was kind of into that kind of stuff you know matt is down with the sickness primus i yeah. uh, not disturbed so much <laughs> uh, you know primus stuff like that i like that you know yeah but uh Good yeah. question, Monty. Monty, yeah, he does not <laughs> like Chester.
0: RIP, dude. Cozy CEO, why do, why do big guy pratich- practitioners love little guy jiu-jitsu? I'm a white belt, and Lasso is the best.
1: I like this guy. Uh, Lasso is the best. Why do big guys practitioners love little guy jujitsu? I wouldn't say I just love jiu-jitsu. There's, I don't know what's the difference between little guy and big guy. If if a big guy's on his back, then all of a sudden it's considered little guy jujitsu. I feel like, you know, I just love jujitsu. This, when he said this question, I again had that like Zach Golf, the numbers. I'm like, what is he? What's going on?
2: What's the definition of big guy? 200 plus?
1: I say over 220.
2: Over 220? So uh, a 210. So he's not big guy jujitsu?
1: Not anymore. I was. Gotcha. Not big guy anymore.
2: He can't sit with us anymore.
1: I would say, like, no, man, I, th- I don't think there's big guy jujitsu, little guy jiu-jitsu. Just like I said, jiu-jitsu was designed for the little guy to beat the big guy. But if you look at, like, Carlos, Grace, uh, Carlos Gracie or Carlson Sr., that was a big guy. You know, Halio was small because I guess the story was he was, like, not healthy as a child. He was more of, like, the smaller brother. And his game more developed into, like, more of, like, the guard attacks off your back. And he had, like, nine kids. But I think, you know, Carlos only had two and then Carl – Carlson uh, Sr. had, you know, junior and it may be a daughter. I'm not, don't quote me on that, but like their style, Carlson Grace style was more power, wrestling based, top pressure, smash you. So, Jiu Jitsu is built for everybody. I don't think there's a big guy Jiu Jitsu, a small guy Jiu Jitsu, but your lineage on your styles is based off what branch of your professor is, obviously. Like, if you look at Poncho, Poncho Tease is so good off his back. He's not like a normal big guy. He's not just teaching, top talking. He's got a butterfly. His butterfly game is <sighs> spectacular. He's loop choking. All that's little guy stuff,
2: and he does it. His takedowns, takedowns, takedown defense.
1: Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I'm sure.
2: that's where I'm happy that I'm a little guy jujitsu because when I start from standing with Pancho, I can. I already feel in my heart. I'm like, I, he's not gonna ragdoll me with the takedown. Oh, yeah, not <laughs> me against other people. I'm like, <laughs> not me, dude. Thank you, Poncho. Oh, he's just
0: because he's being nice to you? I'm too small for him. <laughs> or he'll
1: pull on the smaller guy. Yeah. I don't not yeah. me. Not me. We're battling.
0: He's pulled on me too and still fucked me up, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that, that's 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 the answer. I Pretty can't enough. believe
1: I said that about that guy. God, that was bad.
0: I have a question. Have either one of you ever like by chance gotten poncho? Nope. I swept him one time. <laughs> okay. I swept him once. How did that end for you? <laughs> okay. So
1: So, one time, one time, I did, like, the back roll ankle pick, got him, and it was, like, in a situational, and he had to, like, go to the wall, go back. Well, he came back in, we rolled again, he beat me. Okay. Then, it was, like, a year later, we roll again. It had been a year, because I do the morning, he does not come in a lot of morning classes. He comes in, he's like, let's roll. I'm like, sweet, start rolling. And all of a sudden, I go for it again, and he steps back. He's like, nope, you're not getting that on (laughs) me again. I was like, how do you remember that?
0: Uh, From a year ago. From a
1: year ago. His memory is so good. He can memorize any name.
2: He's so good with names. Dude, he can go to a tournament and coach 50 people, and then two days later, he comes in. Why'd you fuck up right there? I'm like, how do you remember my match? I don't even remember my match. Right? Yeah, he's crazy
1: good with his uh, memory. And like he knew, he's like, I know that you tried that like you tried that in like 2012, and I'm not letting you do that ever again. He's not <laughs> exaggerating, it's, it's crazy. I'm like, all right. Yeah, and you fucked me up. Damn. So, yeah. <laughs> you think of what I'm thinking? Aim for the bushes. Guys, thanks again. Um, follow us on all our social medias. We got a phone number now if you want to call in and leave audio questions. We'll put it right here. Um, shout out to Jason. Uh, Dedicated Jiu-Jitsu in Temecula. Um, plug your stuff. What you got? Your school.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. My school is called Dedicated Jiu-Jitsu. It's in Temecula. It's just at Dedicated Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I have a little small clothing brand called Dedicated Lifestyle and uh, the Instagram for that, at Dedicated Lifestyle 1. Check it out. Um, Like I said, I've been a tattoo artist for many years. So the rash guards and you know the stuff that I have out has uh all my original artwork on it and it's always small batch um so we'll see if we grow it a little bit more um but nonetheless my focus is on becoming a better coach cool cool thank so, you guys yeah no problem awesome
1: having you spotify instagram at Oznagent
0: at uh at BGJ balance oh me at BGJ balance oh, uh, at, uh at freak party BGJ. Freak
1: Party BJJ, at BJJ Balance, at Medina Tattoos.
2: Medina Tattoos, yes. Um,
1: also. YouTube has been doing fantastic. Yeah, So much better the last couple of weeks. The comments, bur- hashtag Burrito Big. Guys, you guys had me rolling. Kenny was sending me them. So keep that up. Hashtag Burrito Big <laughs> on the comments <laughs> and all these clips. That's hilarious. I'm laughing. Appreciate everybody. Um, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Oh,